This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. If you're unaware of this and you are new to this gathering and have no clue who I am, let me introduce myself. My name is Dee Bacon and I'm the Senior Minister here. I have four kids, two boys and two girls, two are left-handed and two are right-handed, two are blonde and two are brown-haired. If, I, if kids were cards, I would have a full house ready to play. The other day, Shannon found our digital camera that we hadn't used for years and years. Why do you need a digital camera these days? You got phones. And she found it and we were looking through. She was looking through the pictures. I picked it up and was looking through the pictures that was still on the camera. And it was one of those moments of reflection because my kids are all in their 20s. They're about to move on to the next stage of their life adventure. So we're living at a time where you can say we're, we're semi-empty nesters. You know, they're gone and they all come back and up, you know, Curse turmoil and you know energy in the house, and then they're all gone, um, and that's just how it is. One of my one of my sons, uh, we know he's there because when he arrives, he leaves parts of him everywhere in every room. If you have a kid like that, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, Christian's home. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So we get to moments of reflection, and this camera caused that because we're looking at the camera and, and seeing pictures when the kids were young. The boys were just little playing basketball. My eldest daughter had a lot of her pictures for a photography uh, project she was doing for school. And then there's pictures of our old dog, Penny, a lab that has since moved on to wherever labs go. Old dogs go to heaven, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, and so it was, it was neat to look at that and, and to reflect on that. And I, it just got me thinking as I was preparing for this message. I used to remember when every now and then I would get a phone call from Shannon, and she would simply say, you need to come home. When you come home, you need to deal with your child. Now, I don't know why this child was always my child when I had to deal with them, but that's how it worked. And, and the kids used to tell me uh, when I would come home, because everyone would know dad is coming home, and he's coming home with a purpose, that when the, uh, when the garage door would rise, and we used to have one of those loud garage doors, we don't have that anymore, but this thing was like, you know, kids knew that it was time to scatter. And usually the, the three innocent ones would scatter to be quiet, to listen, you know, trembling in fear, praying, he's just a child for the one that was the offending party. <laughs> And so when I would come on, it was interesting, the responses that I would get from each of the kids. My eldest used to respond this way. She was, she was bold. Uh, she would be like, hey, Dad, how are you? Oh, I hope you had a great day. Come, sit, sit down. Let me, let me take your shoes off and talk to you. about. I mean, literally, ultimate sweetness and kindness and, and love. And I was like, oh, I just feel so good to be loved. What a beautiful child. Hey, I know your game. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You know, a lot of times we do that, don't we? We do the right thing, the generous thing, the good thing for motives that are not necessarily generous or right or good. We do the right things for the wrong reasons. Like a little girl I heard about, seven-year-old girl. She won $2 because she won the, the memor- memorization context in kids' church. She won two bucks. Preacher's wife came to her and said, well done. Little girl said, yeah, I, I gave my money in the offering. Preacher's wife was even more impressed. Oh, my goodness. 
I know God will be impressed. God will be pleased with that. The little girl said, well, I hope so, because I want to see if he can let me do the stuff I want to do some more, you know. He can let me do what I want to do when I want to do it. Isn't that how we are? We do good things with the motive to get something. We do good things with an intent, with an agenda that's that not necessarily connected to simply blessing another. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard not to operate this way. My wife likes to watch the show, the cop show, Blue Bloods. How many are familiar with Blue Bloods, the Reagan family? I don't know why. Maybe it's probably, it's probably because of Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck is Commissioner Reagan, and she's had a thing for Tom Selleck since I've known her. When I first met her, she was really into Magnum P.I., and uh, it, it really helped my cause in wooing her in that I used to wear a Detroit Tigers baseball cap, and that's what Magnum P.I. used to wear a lot, and I guess that caught her attention. But anyway, uh, she was watching Blue Bloods, and I was listening to it because she was watching it, and I heard Commissioner Frank Reagan, who is played by Tom Selleck, he said something that stuck with me, and he was talking about understanding human beings, uh, how people need to understand this. You know, he said we should teach this to everyone in police school and cadet training school, whatever. He said people need to understand that they're individuals, people have three lives. They have their public life, they have their personal life, and then he said they have their secret life. Now, I'm going to change that a little bit so it all fits nicely because I'm a preacher and that's what we do. People have their public life, their personal life, and their private life. Their public life is what everyone sees, right? It's the posts we put on Facebook. It's the countenance we carry when we're in work. It's the, uh, it's the way we, we talk about life and we angle for people's opinions. That's our, our public life, what everyone sees. Our personal life is that which is what a few of us see. It's how we are at home. It's how our family sees us, how we operate with our closest friends, the, the people we say we are real with. But even more deep, is our private life, our secret life, the place where not many know about, if any. And it's the place where our heart is, our secret desires are. A lot of times it's our secret life that's the place in which we do things that we don't want anyone else to know about practice things that we, we're not exactly sure people should know about. Our private life is the source of our motivations. Our private life is the, the source of what drives us to do what we do in our personal and then into our public. It's our heart. And what you discover is that God is interested in His children. God is interested in His people. God is interested in you and me and how we operate in our public life for sure and how we operate in our personal life absolutely because there's plenty of instruction and direction and, and guidance for that. But ultimately, what God is interested in, what God is interested in is our private lives our motivations and our desires, the things that drive us. 
And what he wants is a consistency, a consistency between what is in our private life that translates into our personal life that then becomes who we are in our public life. Because it's out of our private life, out of our heart, that comes the why for what we do. And this works out for good deeds as well, right? See, God is not only interested in us doing good, He wants us to do good for the right reasons. And what are the right reasons? Love God and love people. Live for the audience of one. Now, our Proverbs for today kind of lands exactly there and speaks to God's desire for us, and it speaks to the difficulty of how this is to practice in life. Proverbs 27, 2. Let someone else praise you, and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Let someone praise you, someone not yourself. What's he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is the motivation to do good things. We do good so that people will be blessed. But a lot of times, many times, often, we do good things so that we might receive the attaboys, the girls. we might receive the blessings of being appreciated and honored. And let's be honest, it feels good to be appreciated and honored. It feels good to be thanked. It feels good to be seen for what we're doing and, and, and be, have someone respond to us in a way that, that makes us feel like, yeah, we did something significant. But the proverb warns that you know, if we make that our sole motivation, if we do good so that we might receive praise, if we angle our lives in such a way that we, we want to receive the credit for the good that we do, and that becomes our sole motivation, that becomes what is in the middle of us in our private world, well, that's not pleasing to God. And so we have this proverb, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, an outsider, not your own lips. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one now speaks to the difficulty of the situation. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. <laughs> Just as you purify precious metal, silver and gold, by fire, Proverbs says, then we are tested by the praise we receive for the good that we do. How do you handle praise? How do you respond to praise? How do you deal with praise? Why is it so hard? Why is it a fire? That's not something you hear too often. Praise is a test. Why is that? Well, because praise brings to light, just as, as fire purifies metal, so praise of others brings to light motivations. It's a matter not of your public world or your personal world. It's, it's really a matter of your private world. And to God, your private world is most important, the why of your life. When Jesus was sharing a vision of what it meant to be right with God through faith, through following Him, when He was giving a vision of what He said is the kingdom of God that I have come to bring, 
a vision that, that stood in contrast to the, the kingdom of God that the religious elite were presenting, the, the ones championed by the Pharisees and the Jewish scribes. When he was presenting this, he, he said in the sermon called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. We have application of the proverb we just said, right? So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. I, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And this is, when, this is the, the line that I think everyone needs to circle, highlight, note. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The motivation to do good, Jesus says, needs to come from not the praise of the many, but the pleasure of the one, of God. See, Jesus was in many ways laying out exactly what the people, what we all need to hear. The religious of the time did their deeds of righteousness, and everyone knew about it. The Pharisees were the hypocrites he was talking about, and they did their acts of righteousness for everyone to see. Now, a lot of times we read the Bible and we read the story and, you know, we tend to make good guys and bad guys, and the Pharisees are always considered the, the bad guys because they're the ones that oppose Jesus. They're the ones that f bring about his crucifixion and all that, and they're the bad guys. But I'll tell you this, that Pharisees today would be considered good guys. Why? Because they were conservative, Bible-believing, uh, patriotic, committed, faithful individuals who followed God's law with all their heart. But the trouble is, it wasn't their good deeds. It wasn't their commitment. Their problem was their motivation. They did not do it to honor God. They did not do it for the audience of one. They did what they did in order to gain the pleasure and the notoriety, and the applause, and the respect, and the kudos, and attaboys, and girls of their community. They lived their life where they positioned their public life in order to receive the praise for good works, but their private life, their private life, they were motivated by power and greed and selfishness, not to honor God. And so what Jesus points out is this. What Jesus points out, when it comes to living life for God, be a reason for gratitude, not a seeker of gratitude. Be the reason for gratitude, not a seeker for gratitude. Be the reason why someone gives thanks for your kindness and to God. Notice this. He's not saying don't accept thank yous. Some people think it's, this, this text teaches that you should not be honored for any good thing you do. And so when you receive thanks, you, you say things like, well, it wasn't me, blah, 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 blah. You get all mealy-mouthed and, and humble pie kind of stuff. No, this is not what it's saying. What it's saying is this. When someone thanks you, be gracious and kind and say thank you, but know that your motivation isn't for the thanks. Your motivation is to honor God, love God, and to love people. 
came across a story that I think exemplifies this. Wilbert Williams, is that a name you've ever heard? 2004, Wilbert Williams was honored at his retirement. 40 years of career in the city of Chicago, of all places. They honored him by naming a street after him. Pretty significant in Chicago, there on the magnificent mild, mile, Wilbert Williams Way. Now, what's quite remarkable is that Wilbert Williams is someone who's not famous and wealthy and powerful. In fact, quite the opposite. Wilbert Williams served as the doorman for the Women's Athletic Club there on the Miracle Mile. And his honor was due to his consistent commitment to do his best in his role as doorman. The testimony of many who knew him, like a policeman who said, I never heard him speak ill of anyone. I never heard him say a bad word for anyone, but instead was one who gave himself in the small to honor those around him. Typically, it's people who have their doors open for them that receive honor, the, the rich and the powerful. But instead, Wilbert Williams was honored as a door opener. In the interview, part of his motivation, the reason why he did what he did over 40 years, Wilbert Williams simply said, you know, I got to thinking. If I was new to a big city like Chicago, if I was new to a big town like Chicago, I would want someone like me to help me out, to point me in the right direction, to show me kindness and to make me feel at home. That was his motivation, which sounds very much like what Jesus said when he said, when you want to honor God, this is how you do it. Love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. Do unto others as they, as you would have them do The golden rule. See, Williams understood and lived out this principle. Be a reason for gratitude, not a seeker of gratitude. It's a hard thing. And if we want to do that, it's, it's more than just motivating ourselves to work on a checklist of doing good things. No, it's, it's understanding that we have to have some hard work done in us. We have to go to the place of our private lives. And if you've ever tried to do some hard work, you know it's hard work. And the only one who can correct and fix and change our heart is God himself. And therefore, if we're going to have hard work in order to be at a place where we can live as a reason for gratitude, not a seeker of gratitude, then we have to understand that it has to be in a change of our heart. And I know only one way of a heart change in its completion that brings us to this place, and that is through Jesus Christ. Making Jesus my forgiver and my leader. As the forgiver, He is the one that I come to accept and believe that, that He's the only way by which I can be made right with God. He's the only way that I can live in a place where I know God uh, will not hold what I have done against me, but instead will call me His own. And the way Jesus has provided that is for what we, 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 we celebrate every communion, that Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, gave up His life 
for me and for you so that we might not receive what we deserve, but instead took on what we deserve so that we might have life. And he didn't stay dead after his crucifixion, but came back to life. And, and being alive, I don't know about you, if someone says, I'm going to go and die, and then I'm going to come back to life, and he does it, I don't know about you. He's got my attention, and I'm pretty much saying, I'm with that guy. I'm with that guy. He's my forgiver, and he's my leader. Because he's still alive, he gives us his spirit who now comes to live within us. And as we live, my life now becomes a daily commitment to submit to his leadership, his prompts, his directives, being involved in the community. He provides brothers and sisters who help me walk with him as we walk together. Heart transformation happens when we learn to love God and love people through Jesus. So we have Thanksgiving coming up this week. How many of you are like, man, this seems late? Yeah, it's late. It's crazy. This Thursday, you're going to be gathering together with family and friends, and we're going to participate in something that's unique in the world. I can tell you for a fact, as one that does not originate from the United States, not too many places give thanks as a national holiday. Gather around to give thanks for the blessings that God has provided. Gather around to acknowledge that He is the giver and we are the recipients. Gather around to acknowledge that He is the owner and we are the managers. And we have the honor and the privilege by grace to be called His children and to be called into His work. Thanksgiving's coming Thursday. I'm going to ask that you consider joining me in a little bit of a challenge. This challenge came to me as I was reading and preparing for this message and originated in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, verse 15. This is what he says. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, and this is, he's writing, he's talking to the recipients of this letter, Ephesians. These are Christians, people in church, right? Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, here it is, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Who do you remember in your prayers with thanksgiving? What are the names of the individuals that you mention on a regular basis to God because they are a reason for gratitude? I think about my own life and I began to count just sitting there asking myself that question. I think of Keith, who is a member of this church and weekly he sends me emails with inspiring uh, quotes and, and, and regular, hey, I'm praying for you. Is there anything else I can pray for? Think of Tom, who, who, who's never shy in letting me know that he is for me and the leadership, and, you know, he, he just was, was, has my back. I think of the elders that I serve with here at Mount Carmel, two Mikes, and a Larry and a Harry, <laughs> and an Alan and a Rick. Sounds like a motley crew, doesn't it? They're crazy. Anyway, but these are men that I have the honor to shepherd this congregation with. I think about my staff, 
I think about my mentor, Alan, and the guys that were part of that mentorship group for three years. I think about the three discipleship group, nine guys that I've been able to connect with as part of this church. Of course, I think about my wife, Shannon, my kids, Andrew and his girlfriend, Kaylee, Christian and Maddie, Valerie, and that guy, Justin, she just married. <laughs> now, I like him better that he's the husband now. That's how it works. People that I would name as a reason for gratitude. There's a lot. And so here's the challenge. In your bulletins, you may have noticed there was a thank you card. It's a plain thank you card. A thank you card. I would ask that this Thanksgiving, you handwrite a note to that person that comes to mind and thank them for being a blessing in your life. Maybe you can quote the scripture, Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. And just let them know, hey, I'm grateful for you. You are a reason for gratitude in my life. Write a note. Use a pen. Put it in the envelope. I know I have to go through this instruction because this is strange stuff. And put a stamp on it with an address and put it in the mail. And they will receive it a few days. You know, we don't type it and send, right? Handwritten note. Some of you are like, Didi, you haven't seen my handwriting. I'm like, you haven't seen mine. That's okay. You just write, and whatever they think you said, it probably is what you said. <laughs> this Thanksgiving, this week, send that card to someone and let them know. Let them know that they are a reason for gratitude. Let them know. And in that, consider the challenge Consider the challenge for this week and this week of Thanksgiving. Consider this challenge for this entire series as we remember how do we respond to God for His kindness as undeserved. We receive that which we don't deserve for sure, but how do we respond? Well, one of the responses is that we learn to be a reason for gratitude, not a seeker of gratitude. That we lay out that which is in our private world before God and we submit to the audience of one not seeking the kudos and the strokes and the, and, and the fame of the many but instead we seek to be motivated by loving God and in loving people. I have a couple of our elders I believe Rick the Hedgemeister and Mike Merchant is here. Two of our elders are coming forward and these guys are available to pray with you in person. As part of their ministry is to pray for those in, the need, those in need. They're available to pray with you. If you would stand, we're going to pray together to close things out today. If you want to talk to any one of these guys regarding your next step and your spiritual journey, please don't hesitate. Come and talk to them. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for the time we can be here, and I pray that you would help us learn this principle and take it into our heart, into our private life into that secret place where only you and, uh, can see. Help us learn to live out this truth, to be a reason for gratitude, not a seeker of gratitude, to honor you in that way, to live for the audience of one, that being you.
I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.